Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself wrap up our discussion on the Fifth Commandment. Welcome to Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have with me... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. Good to see you again, guys. That's a little smoother for a start, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yes, nailed it. there we go. We got our, our routine intro out of the way. Yeah, we're back in sync. Yes, good. What are we talking about in this one? Well, this is, we wanted to do a wrap-up, a summary of the Fifth Commandment. You know, I think partly... It's the, it's the role we hold for ourselves by being so specific and detailed on the fourth commandment. It kind of feels like we whipped through the fifth commandment a little bit. And all three of us thought in some way, shape, or form, a summary was necessary to make sure we're clear mm-hmm. on the application interpretation of what the fifth commandment means in the life of a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck at back in sync we're a boy band podcast. Is that we're, what this are, is all about? Is that never ever would I make that comparison in a million years? Because <laughs> we all know ninety eight degrees was better than in sync. Oh, <laughs> I'm a Backstreet Boys kind. Oh of my guy. goodness! <laughs> I cannot believe we just went to level three. I think I'd go back to Veggie Tales, man. I'm, yeah, I'm, right. You know, that's got to be the boys in the sync. That's got to be the best one. Yes. They were the best. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, we. As we talked in between recording each of these episodes, you know, one of the things about being Lutheran is we have these awesome phrases that maybe we use and we don't know if everybody knows what they mean or knows what, understand what we're talking about. And one phrase that I'm looking forward to talking about a little more as we get into this episode is using this phrase, the two kinds of righteousness. And so... Jason, could you give us a real summary of that and then build on that? Yeah, as the systematician in the group, right, this is where Mm -hmm. we're going with this. And this is a natural place to talk about this in the midst of the second table of the law. The law is concerned about righteousness. Uh, You know, when God says, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy, he's talking about righteousness. When Christ says it in Matthew 5.48 and says, you therefore must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, he's talking about righteousness. Now, one of the things, uh, especially in the Lutheran church that we are exceptionally good at, is we immediately gloss to righteousness as God's declared verdict of justification, And so God declares us righteous when we, by faith, apprehend the free gift of salvation of Jesus Christ on the cross in our place and risen for our justification. When we think of righteousness, then that's always where we go. Now, that's entirely appropriate because that's what righteousness is. God views us as righteous. He declares us as righteous, not because of our activity, not because of our record, but because of Christ in our place. At the same time, though, the law commands us to be righteous before our neighbor. And this is where you get into two kinds of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And again, to, to drill down even a little deeper in that, there's some controversy in Lutheran circles over the terminology used with two kinds of righteousness. There's a group of conservative Lutherans who think we should have just abandoned that distinction more or less altogether because two kinds of righteousness is simply law and gospel applied. 
that the law shows us how to be righteous before God as we're righteous before our neighbor, and the gospel shows us how we are righteous before God, and so on and so forth. Uh, the other side of things, two kinds of righteousness, really handles how the law interacts with the believer. And this is kind of where I favor using just another layer of terminology to be clear. And so on the one hand, we talk about vertical righteousness. How mm-hmm. are we righteous before God? If we're vertically righteous before God, again, what we talk about first is that righteousness is being rightly oriented to someone or something. So you go at that, how are we rightly oriented to God? We are rightly oriented to God by faith because of the completed work of Christ on the cross in our place. And so the cross and the empty tomb are our righteousness because Jesus completed redemption. And clothed us in his righteousness. Yeah, we're clothed in his righteousness. That's uh, Galatians 3.27. Those of you who have been baptized have clothed yourselves with Christ. Jesus jacket. Yeah, the Jesus jacket, right? Not quite, but yeah. It's that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our criminal record. He doesn't see our history of failure and rebellion and obstinacy. He sees Jesus in our place. This is imputation. Mm -hmm. Christ takes our sin and makes it his own, and he gives us his righteousness and makes it our own. And so Christ's death on the cross becomes my death on the cross. Christ's resurrection with victory over sin, death, and the devil is my resurrection. Christ's obedience to the law is my obedience to the law. It's the beautiful exchange. Yep, the great mm-hmm. beautiful right. exchange that Luther talks about. So that's vertical righteousness. But also then we talk about the Christian life here, temporally lived out, temporally lived out on earth mm-hmm. before a neighbor. Now, your righteousness before your neighbor, that's how the law interacts with you in your daily lives. How am I rightly oriented to my neighbor? And that's where you bring vocation. Mm-hmm into the topic. Ding, 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 ding. There it is, yeah. That's where you bring uh, the second table of the law and even in the church, the first table of the law. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about a lot about educating our children. We talked about the the Shema where we're we're talking about Mm -hmm. God constantly as we go in and go out and and keeping his commandments in our hearts and our minds. Uh, And so uh, being rightly oriented to your neighbor First thing we would note that has nothing to do with justification, has nothing to do with your salvation. You don't earn it, mm-hmm. uh, but being rightly oriented to your neighbor flows from your faith in Christ, yeah. that you are able to be rightly oriented to your neighbor because you are rightly oriented to God. And just for people who are joining us that are new, the, the <laughs> ding was because Jason said his magic word, vocation. Vocation is my favorite word. That's right. And again, uh, aside from justification by grace through faith, the most important doctrine in the church for your Christian life is the doctrine of vocation. Ding, 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 ding. There you go. How do you live your life in the real world as a Christian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we're talking about the fifth commandment here, and, and so... We dealt with the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we were talking about how Christ is a picture of, of uh, healing us, of restoring us um, in our brokenness. And uh, yeah, and, and then also the, the aspect of uh, we're called to, in, our, in freedom, to uh, love and serve our neighbors, um, caring for their bodily needs and, 
and, uh, and, and so on. Yeah, and there's a word to be said about Christian freedom, too. Again, this mm-hmm. is the, the, these theological topics are always things that we think we know what they mean, and then you ask us to define them, and we're going to you know, start stuttering, blah, 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 well, I don't know. Well, Christian freedom isn't that when you leave church on Sunday, all this goodness is just going to naturally overflow and pour out of you. That's not what Christian freedom is. Christian freedom means we go out and we intentionally love our neighbor yes. because we're free to not compete with them for good works so that God is pleased with us. That's what Christian freedom looks like. So you had brought up a term, karma. Karma. You've used this in this fifth commandment a couple times, and Mm -hmm. it would be a synonym for works righteousness, but it also would be a synonym to what many would call and what I would call moralism, Mm -hmm. where they take what God's intended design for the commandment and his word Mm -hmm. in that commandment, and then they make it into this moralistic thing. How do we combat that? Oh, good you figure that out uh, definitively, and you're the greatest pastor that's ever lived in the church. The problem with karma, with works righteousness, with moralism, it's that's who we are in our sinful nature, is that we want to earn our salvation. Or just to look good. To look good, yeah. You know, so sometimes that, you know, earning our salvation means I'm not as bad as a sinner as the mm-hmm. next guy. That's works righteousness. Works righteousness is I did this, God. How come you're not blessing me? Mm-hmm. You know, how could you do this to me? That's work right. It always shows up. And I use karma because it, you're importing that Hindu idea. And I think it really kind of smacks you upside the head. You know, works righteousness is kind of a neutered term in the church now. We're like, oh, yeah, works righteousness, whatever. You call it karma. Mm-hmm. Well, well, what are you talking about? I, I don't believe in karma. Well, yeah, you actually do. Mm. You're at least participating in it, yeah. whether you realize it or not. You know, and that's kind of the scary thing. And I think that we, we sometimes cloak making ourselves feel better about loving our neighbor Mm -hmm. and doing these things. And we kind of glorify ourselves in that. Oh, today spent time with our church and we were raking people's leaves and posting that on Facebook and on Twitter and all that stuff. Hashtag blessed. And that, and, and you know, to me, that is taking the glory away from the one it is due and shining the light on yourself. And in the way that was talked about by Christ in the gospel is the guy who made a parade of donating to the temple. And then you had the widow with her two mites. That's that's exactly what we're doing. You know, this is the danger of the social media society is we are taking our good works and we're lauding ourselves for it when we, we do it under the guise of giving glory to God. Amen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the danger of that. I think it's always positive to promote events, you know, fine, you know, but if you're in a way promoting yourself in any way, shape or form, if you look at either a post, whether it's a Facebook post or a tweet or, or even a comment that you make, even giving your own testimony about what Christ has done, man, I think we have to be very careful and to always make sure that Christ receives all of the glory Mm -hmm. and that we receive absolutely none. But I know that's hard. Well, and really to drive it home, Brett, you and I have received Mm -hmm. some flack about this. We've been involved in a conversation on Facebook about self-promotion. Every week, uh, aside from those who are subscribed to the feed of the podcast, I go on and then you go on and we publish a link to each episode of the blog and we direct people there. I also know weekly that I publish a link to my sermons on Facebook 
Uh, Brett, you have a personal blog that mm-hmm. you're publishing links to that on Facebook. And in reality, yeah, the, 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 the positive, the heart of what I'm trying to do is just make it available. People have asked me and us mm-hmm. to publish this material. It, it's beneficial material. The also reality of this is that we're all sinners. And we probably, more than we would care to admit, like a little bit of the glory and the tension that brings us. And mm-hmm. we're by no means... A, a, a super popular, successful podcast. I think we probably maybe have 14 listeners. If we're going to be generous. 14 million maybe, yeah. right? right? Uh, <laughs> maybe 14 cumulative at this point in time. But uh, that's a real implication. And, and again, in the social media uh, world we live in, it's so much easier to be a narcissist. Yeah, amen. Uh, and so how do we handle that? Well, the real answer is you repent. <laughs> Confess yeah. your sin, repent, and then go out and try to be uh, the best Christian you can. And, and, and that's where I really want to round out about, on this. Because you asked me about karma, you asked me about works righteousness. And, and the Lutherans have a really destructive history of ignoring morality mm-hmm. because we don't want to be moralists. Uh, we have a destructive history in the Lutheran Church of ignoring virtue we're allergic to sanctification. Yeah, we're allergic. Well, there's those shirts that go on, weak yeah. on sanctification. I hate those shirts mm-hmm. so much because it misses the point. Are we weak on sanctification? Yeah, because it's a sinner. We never, ever broadcast or celebrate our sin. You know, we never, ever want to get to the place where it's, I'm good at sinning, but Jesus is good at for- forgiving, so it's a perfect relationship. That's not where we go. The recognition in Scripture is that the law is moral. The law prescribes virtue. And even when we walk into the realm of the social gospel, the law wants us to love our neighbor. We ought to be caring for the poor. We ought to be providing soup kitchens for the homeless. We ought to be as our ancestors in the church 200 years ago, 500 years ago, you know, 1800 years ago, be establishing hospitals and actually tangibly loving our neighbor. But we're so afraid that we're going to convi- uh, confuse love for neighbor with earning spiritual points for God that we just have abandoned it altogether. And the justice that God prescribes in Scripture doesn't just get dismissed upon the declaration of innocence in Christ Jesus. In fact, that's where it begins. And God's justice, again, spiritually speaking, is what drives our repentance. Mm -hmm. And and we've said this now probably a million times on the podcast. The law always accuses. The law doesn't condemn any longer. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law is always showing us God's will. He's always informing us how God wants to live. And the law is always informing us when we have failed to live that way. But our redemption, our salvation is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that pruning process that we've referred to several times from John 15, and, and that God disciplines those whom he loves. Uh, our seminary... We all had the, mm-hmm. the sem- same seminary teachers, and I remember very clearly that Pastor Lee would say, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Yep. And that never left That's me. That's tweetable. Yeah, that yeah. is. <laughs> and I'm totally stealing it from him, so I give him credit for that. But that is really the love of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going with that, too, I want to be careful uh, about all of these things because, I mean, this is the Christian life. It always requires context, Mm -hmm. right? And so we say something and then we get flack for what we didn't say, Mm -hmm. you know? And and, and so you go round and round and round on this, but this is the Christian life. It's never easy. 
It's never cut and dried, and yet the law is easy and cut and dried. It gives us boundaries. It tells us, you know, go and sin no more, and these sorts of things. But we want to be careful in that, that what we're doing is we're providing solid biblical interpretation and context. And so we primarily point to Christ in him crucified. Mm -hmm. And then in Christ, we apply and say, go live like a Christian. You know, and that's... We have to check our motives at the door on everything. You know, I think of that statement in Hebrews about God's word uh, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it really exposes the intent of our heart and the motives of our heart. And that's one of the great uses of the law. And that's how we don't shine that light on us. And we always shine the light on Christ because if we're really honest about anything good that we do— as you said, sometimes we kind of want the glory and sometimes we're okay with receiving some of that, you know, praise and whatever. But bottom line is all of our motives are tainted with sin and that it is only because of Christ's righteousness imputed to us that those works are righteous in the sight of God, even in the midst of our sinful nature, because again, of the completed work of Jesus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, and you know, when I think of the fifth commandment, I think maybe the the barrier is my own selfishness or is our own selfishness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that that keeps us from actively actively um, loving our neighbor to bless them in, in body and soul. Well, and in that, you see the idolatry of the first commandment, mm-hmm. which we said. How they defines everything, yeah. and you know, with selfishness. I might not want to love my neighbor because I'm tired. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you know a terrible application for me to realize. Is I have time in the office all day where I've been researching sermon writing, maybe visiting with people in my congregation that I love dearly. I go home and I'm exhausted, and my kids are there, and my wife is there, and I want to sit on the couch and turn on a baseball game or, or do something like that. And there you have it. Your, your selfishness mm-hmm. gets in the way yep. of loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, and it's those sorts of things where the law is intended to drive us back to Christ. Mm-hmm. And still in that, you know, with the fourth commandment, go love your kids, don't exasperate them, be a good father, and then repent and do it again and repent and do it again. And, and there's your application. And, uh, you know, remaining... In that tension is where the Christian life is lived. Hmm. Abiding in Christ continually, allowing God to prune us to bear more biblical fruit, all for the glory of God. And which is why, you know, in that, in what we've talked about, the, the fifth commandment, the fourth commandment are so rich uh, because they lack the specifics. And so, you know, Luther's application is just so broad, you know. Don't do any harm to your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, respect your authorities. You know, regardless of their qualifications at times. Now, when we get into Commandment Six, don't commit adultery. When we mm-hmm. get into Commandment Seven, uh, don't steal. Uh, those have a lot more specifics, but they flow from these first two commandments in the second table of the law. They're mm-hmm. there. You know, we don't harm our neighbor by taking his stuff, or we don't harm our neighbor by taking his spouse. You mm-hmm. know, those sorts of things. Uh, but in that, we, we see the comprehensive way in which God wants to govern our lives for the good of the neighbor. Well, I think that's a, a good place to end this episode. And as we wrap it up here and as we th- think through these things, uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts? 
Well, I want to highlight that the discussion in this summary episode that we've done and really throughout the commandments is highlighting the entire purpose of going through the catechism in the first place. Luther says something to effect that the material of the catechism is simple enough for a child to know and confess, but it is impossible to master. And, you know, Luther says, I return to it every day because I struggle with this sort of thing. And you, you have something as basic as the fifth commandment, don't kill. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, great, I got it wrapped up until you realize don't do your neighbor any bodily harm and also be actively promoting his life. That is impossible for me to master. I'm, I'm always going to be falling short of that. Mm-hmm. And yet that's where the growth happens, where the teaching happens in my, the, the enriching my spiritual life is in going back to the basics of scripture mm-hmm. for the Christian life. And that's always, always going to be going back to law and gospel. And the only thing I would say is thank you, Jesus, for the great grace and mercy that was poured out through his life, death, and resurrection, the the privilege of being a child of God because of the completed work of Christ. Uh, May we rest and trust in that and allow God to use our lives as an act of worship to a Savior who is worthy. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself begin our discussion on the Sixth Commandment. God bless you and have a great week.